right. Welcome to the Disciple Nations podcast. Woohoo! Yeah, I'm Jason Villanueva. I'm Sam McVeigh. Yeah, one of your hosts. And uh, yeah, we've got Sam here today. And so this first podcast, uh, our hope is to, to lay some foundation and give you a little bit of background and history and then show you a little bit of where we're going. So where'd you come from? Where are you going? And uh, what's what's going to be accomplished through the Disciple Nation podcast. We're excited. It's a new thing we're doing. And uh, I know, Sam, you have some some high hopes for it, I guess, just to help equip and teach and right. and lead and, yeah. and, and do some things like that. So I'm just I'm going to hand it over to you yeah. and just tell me who you are, what you're doing. Tell me about Disciple Nation. So history, foundation, and then where are we going? Great. It's good to be sitting here with you, Jason, the the podcast extraordinaire, Kingpin. Anyway. um, (laughs) Podcastkingpin.com. Yeah, it's uh, it's um, glad to be using this venue. We we use multiple venues to share the mission, and uh, the mission really of Disciple Nations is to spread the supremacy of Christ in all the nations um, by igniting movements of disciple making and prayer. And then that has a whole bunch of tributaries and venues of how we do that. We'll talk about that here in a little bit. But just glad to be here doing this with a podcast. So. Um, I've been in ministry for about 25, 27 years, uh, married to my wife, Amy, for 28 years. we got nine kids and a whole bunch of grandkids. And um, during that time, we've been kind of planting churches. We were doing that in the beginning and um, got married in 1989 and immediately just started pastoring. And um, in the middle of pastoring, we're, we're spending most of our time just doing two things. We were I was meeting with guys and making disciples and what little I knew of it because I'd never been discipled and uh, doing prayer meetings. So we've done literally thousands of prayer meetings, just working it out. And I was just figured all I knew is I felt compelled to meet with guys and talk about Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. I think you, you just said something you were trying to disciple, but you were never really discipled. I think that there are quite a few people out there that can resonate with that, right. that statement. Right. Yeah. And that, let me just interject. That's just something really amazing about the disciple nation tribe mm. is that there are a lot of guys who are like that, but there are also some guys who had some spiritual fathers, and now they're yep. stepping into that role as spiritual father and making disciples. Yeah, it's very it's cool. It's really cool. Yeah. Go and when ahead. I say that, I don't even mean to, as a complaint. That may have been some of me, some of the state of the church, whatever it was, it was. And sure, sure. So, uh, but felt compelled to, that I need to do more than preach sermons on a Sunday, and so I uh, would meet with guys a lot and uh, just talk about Bible and uh, my life in Jesus and their life in Jesus. And so those values were always there. I felt like I found some bulletin from 19. 19- 90 or something. And so one of my first little churches, it, it was like this thing of where we, we've given ourselves to make disciples and to do prayer meetings. And I was sitting there 27 years out going, wow, I'm a two note song. There's nothing original about me. And, but we, we learned that. And in the middle of, while that progressed, had a bit of an ecclesiology shift um, when I was around 29, 30. And just really, the Lord kind of gave some fresh revelation about he's the one who builds the church and um, that I might be making issues. Ishmael and not Isaac, which I knew wasn't good. <laughs> yeah. And so certainly not. Yeah. And I'm he just, told you that. Yeah. I felt that yeah. very strong in my heart. And it was it was like I, I knew I knew it was like you're you're sincere. You're trying to pull off what, you know, a good thing for me and promises, but you're doing some of the stuff that I'm the only one that can do that. And so he's the builder of the church. But it felt the freedom uh, through that process to give ourselves more fully to making disciples and equipping the saints. And uh, then he builds yeah. the church. And so yeah. stepped away for a couple of years and kind of reprocessed all that and then came back in with a real strong emphasis on equipping the saints. Yeah. So give me just real yep. quick some uh, geographical context. Yeah, good. You were where and then 
then you're here. Yeah, I'm from Southern Illinois. I uh, my wife's from El Dorado, Kansas. We met in Bolivar, Missouri, and uh, 1988. Got married in 1989, and um, moved to Illinois for one year. And I pastored a little Methodist traditional church, country traditional church. Uh, some silly bishop was just desperate enough to put somebody in there. So cut my teeth. That's the only time I've ever done kind of a denominational church, and uh, spent a year there. And then we we got back to Kansas, and so yeah. yeah so we were two kids in and um, and began in Kansas in the fall of 1990. And so I've been here ever since. And in 1990, were you in El Dorado? Or yes. Were, okay. Yeah. El Dorado is where we were. There was a little group of 15 people and we hung out with them. And within nine months, we'd merged with what was called Vineyard Christian Fellowship, early days out of California, oh, wow. John Wimber and some of that. And so yeah. we merged and became, it was like 100, 120 people. And we were all of a sudden just kind of, yeah, giving ourselves to prayer and stuff. Mm-hmm. So that would happen in El Dorado. And I, and, and I had approaches during that time uh, from a couple of denominations. Uh, Vineyard uh, started becoming more a bit of a denomination, which was great. They were organized and they want us to take three states and plant and just didn't feel right in my heart about it. And so I uh, said no to a couple other options from people and felt pretty noble in my twenties. And like <laughs> I was doing the pure thing and doing yeah. like the book of acts. And then that's when that Ishmael Isaac thing kind of uh, happened. I was like, yeah. Oh man. So and, you thought you were getting after it and then yeah. the Lord kind of brought a little bit of correction. That's to exactly you. right. That's right. That's right. So I, uh, <clears throat> just uh, took a little break. We did some business stuff. I did house churches and wrote a little bit, but uh, then we launched back in 2004 um, with what was New Life Equipping Ministry back in El Dorado again, and that was really the uh, the start of where we are now. So what is that? That's 13 years ago. Um, yeah. We started just kind of making, just giving ourselves to, uh, yeah, equipping the saints, and 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 every week I'd say we're not a church, almost at nauseum, you know. And but people were coming, and we were we just thought of ourselves almost like a kingdom midwives. Like the, yeah. the people were pregnant with vision from Jesus, Ephesians yes. two ten, yeah. and we just wanted to help them birth. Yes, and I didn't want to distract them with my vision, and so that was fun because it ended up being in birthing. Uh, orphanages in Ghana, or food ministries, or a house church, or a little clothes. You know, it didn't matter what it was. If it was in neighborhoods or nations, we were locked in on helping people discern what God had called them to. And it's exciting when you see people get in their gifting and in their calls. And so we did that, and more and more people kept coming. So by 2010, there's um, a lot of folks coming to El Dorado in the middle school we were in over there. 2011, my dad. Um, Ends up, um, he reads the book Radical. He's already pretty sold out. Yeah. But he goes to Ghana uh-huh. um, to uh, steward an orphanage. The, the house parents at an orphanage we helped build took a break. And he and his um, his wife went over to just shoot the gap for like, I think, two weeks. Anyway, fifth day over there, he dies on the beach um, and with the orphans walking. And um, it was a profound moment. You yeah. know, I get that call and we had to get dad's body out of Africa, did the funeral. Yeah. And then it was like, you know, um, we took a break after that. Amy and I went away after that moment and, and waited on the Lord and felt two things. We felt like we were Isaiah 54. We were supposed to spread out the tent pegs and not pile up in one place, stretch yeah. out yep. and then start this thing called disciple nations, uh-huh. which sounded like an odd title anyway, because it's like a verb, it's an action. <laughs> but we were gripped by the global mandate of the resurrected king. Yeah. And we wanted to produce like a YWAM-ish campus crusade, not what they are, but just a, a way that people could uh, raise money, do be missionaries without doing traditional church sure. uh, kind of sure. situation. So yeah. started Disciple Nations in, in 2012, finally got okay. that incorporated, and it just sat there for three years until 2015. Mm-hmm. And so 2015 is when... 
we started meeting people. We were in, we were spreading out, making groups, uh, different equipping bases around the area, and um, people started connecting with us. I was discipling guys, and then people started joining the team. And I think there's like 27 couples on the team from just the last two years, uh, where really there just wasn't much going on. And so, doing mission in Iraq and then North Africa. We we have a training center in Ghana, West Africa. Um, we're working with North Korea, with ministry to North Korea, and various places in the nations, and then locally. There's uh, probably eight to ten equipping bases, different sizes and forms, and yeah. uh, then we've got these other missionaries and prayer ministries. Sure, sure. So, uh, been in ministry how long? Now, twenty seven years. Twenty seven years. Yeah. So a little, a little salt behind the ears. A little. Like, <laughs> yeah. 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 So, um, I want to kind of, after having laid a little bit of foundation for us and some story, I think there's maybe some guys who resonate with that and say, yeah, or, you know, I was in that place or I am in that place, mm-hmm. that kind of thing. And so uh, give me just it, as clearly as you can a little bit about um, how disciple nations and equipping ministries differ from like a traditional church service because you know we we use the word church and we don't have to dive too much into this but we use the word church um, and oftentimes when I say church I, I do air quotes because it, it kind of means right. one thing but it also means another and yes you know sometimes we get into semantics but help us just distinguish because the church is called to disciple and to equip right. and sin and do these things and so yeah so tell me why the shift and then how that looks different. Yeah, that's a great question. Um, because we're using some similar venues, gathering in some buildings, and we'll worship and we'll... But what the the difference the difference for me was, is like Acts chapter 13, verse 1 and 2, it'll talk about in Antioch, uh, in the church in Antioch, there were apostles and prophets, and it names some guys. And you, you see, as they pray and fast, that the Lord sets apart Paul, or sought time Saul and Barnabas for the work of... And so you see a difference yeah. between the church and the work. And so Interesting. Yeah, yeah. and there's a yeah. Di- there's a division there of what is the church. The church is the ecclesia as I understand. It's, the, it's literally the people of God. Yeah. And I don't know of many people that disagree with us on that although we use the term regularly about buildings sure. and about meetings. Yeah, yeah. And and I I know what we I, I know what we're trying to say, but it, that misnomer sometimes uh, leads us to yeah losing the identity that the people are the church. And so for us, that became very important that Jesus was the builder. I couldn't find anywhere he asked me to build his church, yep. and I, that the people were that. And so they weren't. It wasn't a place or a or a, or a time. It was a people. And so, but I saw the difference between that and the equipping ministry. So Paul and Peter and these guys would go around. They'd gather saints when they come in a city, and they would teach them. And they would execute an equipping time for the church who are the real ministers. Mm -hmm. And so um, that delineation was very helpful to me. Um, I remember reading a book by Watchman Nee. It was called The Church and the Work. And he made (laughs) that delineation, applied it a little different in China how he did it. But it was really liberating for me because I I, I didn't think I could ever go do the church thing again, although I love the church. But I I got faith for how we could have meetings to equip the saints. So Ephesians 4, 11, 12, 13, that's really the key thing for us, where the Lord gives different ministers to equip the saints for the work of ministry. So 
some of the in in house differences is that we're <clears throat> you can't join us in a in a sense. Um, we are uh, very decentralized. We're not propagating um, just one vision that we're trying to rally everybody to do. Uh, we're trying to again unlock all of their giftings, and so we see disciples as the main ministers and the saints, and we're trying to equip them. And accelerate and send them out. So we see ourselves maybe more up under the church than up over. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's huge. And so you still have a couple of places where there are gatherings. Right. They're called equipping ministries. Right. But then also, I've heard you say that some of the most fruitful work that you do mm-hmm. is face to face with guys sitting at a table over coffee or food. Right, speaking directly into them, right? So it's not just a let's all get together and let me pour into you, but let me spend right time with you face to face, one on one for mentorship, discipleship. The most effective thing I do, yeah, I believe, is that one on one, one on three, those smaller group deals where I can read reaction, have a real good, healthy dialogue, and then there'd be points of accountability and follow-up. When I'm speaking to a crowd, which we still do, and I see it in the Bible, and I think it's got a measure of effectiveness, but I often say it's one of the least effective things I do, because I think a lot of people forget a lot of what we say by that night. And uh, <laughs> But I think things stick, and there's transformational moments. Sure. But um, but yeah, we'll, we'll still preach to groups, but I'll say, yeah, they, I, I, I most of the time am discipling, and sometimes I'm preaching mm-hmm. to crowds, and so, and believe it. Yeah, that that can add a dynamic that's good, but the discipleship is that because I can end up being in the pulpit and it can be a little more monologuish, and I'm 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 giving forth information and revelation that I hope is very stirring to their heart, but I don't have a lot of points of accountability to follow up with everybody. When I'm in an individual encounter with someone, I think there's more of an impartation that happens, or I'm taking them on mission with me, or we're in a prayer together, and then I can uh, yeah impart that DNA of the kingdom. So Sam, you've given us a little bit of background on yourself and you've given us a little bit of insight into Disciple Nation. And um, so kind of summarize Disciple Nation in just a couple of maybe words or sentences and then um, talk about maybe what the dynamic within the team looks like of how people interact with each other and how you interact with the team. That's good. Yeah, um, again, Disciple Nations is locked in on that very phrase. We want to see the discipling of all the nations um, for the inheritance of Jesus. Psalms 2 talks about the Father said, ask me for the nations. And so he's asked for the nations. So uh, we are in this, we're a bit eschatological in our motivation for mission, meaning uh, Matthew 24, 14, we want to see this gospel, the kingdom, get to every nation, yes. and then the end will come. Yes. Getting Jesus back is our primary motivation, and we want our inheritance in him, but we want him to get his inheritance, yes. and that's why we're looking at some of the hardest places, and, and the hardest places in cities and the hardest places in the nation, So, but we're locked in on doing discipleship, and again, I'm so glad and encouraged uh, in this last decade that discipleship as a term and a focus is increasing in the body of Christ. It's not like it's never been there, but it's really increasing. One of our concerns is that it, though, not just be book-based 
memorization-based, information-based, though there's some dynamics important in that, but that it be relationally spirit-saturated organic relationship where there's an impartation of the DNA from one individual in Christ to another individual in Christ. And so this roots back into Genesis 128, which is the way he set everything up. You know, we're made in his image, 126, but 128 is he blessed them and said, uh, be fruitful, multiply, fill, subdue, and rule. That's what Jesus is doing in the gospels. And it's really to Adam and Eve who would have to have covenant relationship, then they would birth and birth and birth generations. Mm -hmm. That same dynamic we think is how the church is supposed to grow. We're a family, not a business. You know, we're, 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 we're this dynamic organic thing that's full of variety, yet there's this intentional, these intentional relational values that I think at times the church struggles with. And just Mm -hmm. as an example of that, when I started discipling some guys at the beginning that were older than me, been in the faith 20, 30, 40 years, I I would say to them, I want to disciple you. I want to have a relationship. And I'm, I'm asking that you be committed to doing this with someone else. And I was amazed at the insecurity I saw in some of them saying, who am I? Sure. To speak into someone's life. I mean, yeah. I could lead them through a Bible study on Hebrews, but you want me to speak into them. Yeah. And I'm like, yes, I do. And you could do this. But I think there's epidemic insecurity around this because yeah. it's, it's we've a had, different conversation. It is. I've said before, like within maybe a quote unquote traditional church model, you know, there were times where we approach people to ask them to be group leaders. Hey, would you like to lead a group, open no. your home, study the Bible? And there was massive insecurity with that. Yes. Take it a step further and then say, hey, I'm asking you to be a spiritual father to the body of Christ. Right. I know. Right? That's huge. And so lastly, just 1 Corinthians 4, 15, 16 right there, Paul says to the Corinthians, in Christ you have 10,000 guardians, but you have so few fathers, I became your father. And that's uh, that's been a hallmark verse for us. It's a life verse for me. I'm a father of a bunch of kids, and but more in the spirit. And I've got kids and grandkids and great-grandkids. And and um, and that phrase, I always thought that meant 10,000 guardians was angels, but it means tutors. It was Roman tutors who would teach the children of the parents they enslaved. They'd send the parents to work, and then they'd enculturate and give information into the children. So the inf- the children would learn math and learn language, but they were not um, having the nuances of fathering and mothering. The relational parts, it helps like a teenager go through puberty. That helps them go through, you know, the yeah, relational yeah. love dynamics that a father and a mother bring. And so mm-hmm. we believe it is a day where orphans are becoming fathers and mothers, yes. where that is going to just accelerate and fathers and mothers will raise up other fathers and mothers. It's been such a joy for me to see some of my young kids grow through all the stages ages, go marry and become fathers and do those values. I'm like, there's the kingdom of God. That's what we want to see explode everywhere. And so as I have conversation with, with different guys and gals who are part of uh, DN, that's one of the things that comes up the most is, yeah, we're, we're a family, we're a spiritual family together by the Holy spirit, right? right. Faith in Christ, but also the amount of mentorship and care and love mm. and oversight in a in a good way, right? Yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. it's the fathering. It's being able to have someone to go to and then work through some things and be real yeah. and get down to the raw, nitty-gritty really goodness good. of living out this life in Christ and then fleshing out mission and ministry together and to be able to have a place where you... You know, it's like an umbrella. Yeah, you're safe from the storms and the the rain and the wind, and you got this covering you can come under. And there's there's peace and and um, I don't want to say solitude. What's the word I'm looking for? Um, 
just togetherness, yeah, unity, that's good. right? Yeah. And it's really good. And that comes from relationships. Solidarity is the word I was looking for. Good. Yeah. That comes from relationships, not an organization. So just as you said, just sum up is, well, I feel like we're a kingdom family that's becoming a missional team. Yeah. We're that's on good. the mission, but we're not on the mission to build an organization. We're on the mission because we're a family and we're spreading the family. Yeah. So, yeah. That's really good. Yeah. Awesome. Well, I'm excited about the DN yeah. podcast. Yeah. Just, we just want to take a moment and kind of hear from Sam McVeigh and hear a little bit about DN and what's happening here in Wichita and El Dorado. And, and I know the team kind of spreads out into some other geographical yeah. areas, but primarily here. Um, so tell me, give us a little bit of what to look forward to yep. in episodes coming up with the DN podcast. Like, what is your hope? for an mp3 available online yeah we're doing a lot of recording and videos of, of monologues and singular you know presentations which are great yeah. but and we've got some booklets we're doing but this podcast is such an, a great dynamic and you do such a great job with it jason of, of the dialogue and the interaction that goes on mm -hmm. and so we hope this venue will be a place where again we're dispensing the revelation and testimonies of things we have so i think you'll see teachings in dialogue form i think you'll see testimonies yes. we'll see mission reports we're going to bring people in here from the nations and uh, then and again like i said some tremendous we've got a couple felons on the team and ex-jihadist you know yeah, they're all jesus yeah. crazy and uh -huh. so these stories will so encourage you as we put them in a conversation conversational style and uh are, are propagating these values that are in our hearts yeah i think it's going to be great i look forward to Me it too. i'm always um, looking for different resources and podcasts to listen to. I, I go to newlifeequip.com <laughs> yes. and I, and I listen to the sermons there. And so I'm excited for this, this format. I'm, I'm glad that that exists. I'm glad that we can walk into a building on a Saturday mm -hmm. night. And, and so just multiple avenues, just different ways yes. to get the, uh, well, the gospel, the teaching, the growth, the camaraderie, all of that stuff. It's a great way to get it all out. That's so, right. That's right. Yep. DN Podcast, coming your way. You guys check back with us for new episodes every now and then, and we're really excited about what God's doing through this. Excited about so, it. All right, we'll Great. see you guys. Thanks for listening.